This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Hello, and welcome to Ask the Therapist podcast. We're joined tonight by a special guest, Naomi Aronson, who is going to speak to us about her area of practice. And Naomi, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, Can you just explain to us the area of practice that you're working in, some background history about where you've worked in the past? Okay, well, I've been an OT for 29 years, and I've practiced actually in almost every area, but I started, I started off in general rehab, then I moved on to outpatient, and I was there for about nine years. Then I moved on to the Department of Education, and then after that, I got into... Uh, teaching at the university level, and in between all that, I had a private practice, and I treated hand patients and breast cancer patients, and that's how I got, that's how I got into, breast cancer actually was um, at the hospital, at Elmer's Hospital, because I started seeing patients that had been referred to me for issues after surgery and radiation and that had lymphedema, et cetera. Wow. So it seems like you have so much experience in different areas of practice. So what, what drew you to, your, you know, to the Pilates or to this area of practice specifically? Well, well I had been in a car accident, and uh, I... After that car accident, I had herniated discs, and I had... Uh, in my neck, and then I had uh, impingement in my shoulder, and I went through regular rehab outpatient, and then as part of that rehab, they offered me all these alternative types of things. They offered me Feldenkrais and Pilates, and I was like, yeah, I'll try it all. <laughs> and um, so I, was, I got introduced to Pilates, and I had heard about it, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was, and I fell in love with it because I really liked the emphasis upon posture and alignment. I mean, just for so many years, I always see people starting off with the wrong posture, and if you start off to do any type of activity with the wrong posture, you're not going to activate the correct muscles. You're going to cause more problems. So it was a real natural fit, and then I, I tried using some of those techniques with, actually I started using them with my hand patients uh, at the time, mm-hmm. and um, I saw that they were really beneficial, so that's what got me into it, really, and then I saw that, you know, I needed to further my education, so I started taking courses in Pilates, and I got certified in that and in reformer. And what's interesting about Pilates is that it has principles. 
mm-hmm. that you have to follow. And a lot of those principles align really well with OT. Really? For example, mm-hmm. like breathing is the first principle. So the breathing in Pilates is deep breathing, and but it the breathing it's diaphragmatic breathing, but it's different than the breathing in yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, the breathing in Pilates activates the core musculature. So as long as you're in a neutral spine position, you can activate those muscles. So that's great for teaching people like in a wheelchair, teaching kids. Like I've used Pilates with kids as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, so, the, so, you said, so it seems like, you know, those principles are really key to Pilates. Those, and those can principles align with OT. Are there any differences with Pilates with adults and with children? Like, what are some differences in terms of how you would, you know, use the techniques for different ages? Well, uh, you know, adults can hear things. You can give them directions that, you know, uh, bring your, you know, like, Bring your shoulders down, relax your neck, relax your, relax your chest. Those are all cues that you would use in Pilates. Mm-hmm. Um, they can understand better those cues. Mm-hmm. Uh, with kids, and also, you know, you're going to emphasize more, like, doing something more correctly. With kids, to me, it's all about fun because... You need to, for kids to do something, it's got to be fun. Right. So there's a lot of fun exercises in Pilates. There's one called Roll Like a Ball. There's one called Teaser, which is kind of like boat in yoga. But mm-hmm. it's a little bit different because you're really emphasizing the core muscles, mm-hmm. which are the multipedis, the diaphragm, the transverse abdominis, and the pelvic floor. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, you're really trying to activate those muscles through the deep breathing. It's called ribcage breathing. But, uh, you know, you're not going to emphasize doing it so much correctly because then they're going to get turned off to it, you know, right. unless they're hurting themselves. So, you know, you want to make it fun. And, you know, like the fun names really um, really get them, too. There's one snake. There's There's one... Um, or with, the, with the animal names, a lot of them animal names. <laughs> okay. And what, which children would benefit potentially from this? I mean, you mentioned cancer patients would benefit from the Pilates, you know, for, for adults. What about for kids? What type of kids would benefit from Pilates? Well, the kids that I worked with, I worked in the DOE, and the kids that I worked with had, uh, you know, you, didn't, you wouldn't say their diagnosis, but, you know, they're, um, they would have learning disabilities, attention deficit. Uh, I worked with one child that had oppositional defiant disorder. A lot of them had sensory issues, but, of course, that's not a disability classification that, that the DOE uses. A lot of them did have sensory issues. A lot of them have really weak cores, and you know that because they don't, they cannot sit at their desk properly, they're holding up their, their heads with their hands, their head, their head is on the desk, 
They're moving around. They're kicking their legs because maybe their legs don't touch the floor. All that uh, you would see. Wow. Okay. So it seems like it's, you know, it's not specific to a diagnosis necessarily. It's more, you know, what the areas of concern are or what the deficits are. Even, you know, a typical child with just a learning disability could benefit from Pilates. Um, ab- ab- absolutely, because uh, they may have they may have some issues with strength in the core, sitting up. They may have uh, scapular weakness if they're having difficulties writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can. It's very Pilates can be very developmental. It's very in- interesting that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can really. It's very easily modifiable and. What, what I really like about it is that, like, I used to work in a few schools, mm-hmm. so all I need is a mat, basically. Right, right. right. So. Pretty good. Pretty easy. Yeah, you know, so I could, I could put it in with my, you know, box of, of uh, tools, like my toolkit type of thing, and, and use it very easily, and kids really, you know, respond to it because it's movement. and. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a movement person. I believe in movement. I believe that movement's therapeutic, and I believe yeah. that a lot, a lot of the movement that we can create with Pilates can either be energizing, like there's some inversions, like the, the roll like a ball that I mentioned is a really right. fun exercise, which is an inversion, mm-hmm. um, but also you could do Pilates standing, mm-hmm. uh, you can do Pilates, you could do Pilates laying on the side, so you right. can use it for transitions. Let's say somebody that's having difficulty getting up from the mat or mm-hmm. you know, getting up from their chair or when they're seated on the rug in the classroom, that type of thing. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Okay. And what about children with, let's say, physical disabilities? Can they also do Pilates? Well, you can do Pilates in the chair. It's not going to be as dynamic, right. but you 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 know you could still do it. You could still do it in a chair because you can emphasize the breathing. You can emphasize scapula movement. You mm-hmm. can emphasize uh, like neck movement. I mean, it, you know, it would. Like, I don't know if you could get them out of the chair. If the child can get out of the chair, then maybe, you know, you could also do Pilates on, on the mat with them because that's also a good thing to get them out of the chair. Uh, and you could certainly do Pilates like that. You know, let's say somebody with cerebral palsy could do that because they all, you know, there's, there's, you could combine it, let's, with sensory integrative techniques, like um, I used to do this technique where I would put, I didn't have a lot of things, but mm-hmm. I would roll the kid up in a mat and I would um, say that uh, I'm rolling dough like pizza so that they would get that, that rolling and I would either roll them very slowly, let's say to calm them down, and then do a lot of pressure to calm them down because I did work with kids that were going hyper, you know, and then after that, then you could, they'd be able to hear the directions and be able to focus better on 
an activity that might be more following directions, working on balance, working on scapular strength, handwriting, all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, what about, I mean, you spoke about Pilates with, um, you know, patients with cancer. Can you explain more about, like, you know, maybe a success story or, you know, or a strategy that you use with that population or any specific techniques that you use? Because that's a really tricky population to work with. Uh, well, I'm not sure I would use the word tricky. <laughs> right. I would say complicated. Is that what you mean by tricky? Yes. Yes, that's what I mean. Yes. Okay. So, yes, because it's, it's complicated because the cancer treatments have so many side effects. Right. There's cognitive side effects. Right. There's effects where after the, the surgery, so there's scar, there's limited range of motion. Right. From the chemo, there could be uh, cognitive-induced, um, cognitive, i, I got to get the initials right, but it's a cognitive dysfunction from, from chemo, which, okay. affects, uh, which affects kind of problem solving, it affects um, planning, uh, executive functioning. Right. Uh, at the chemo, there could be peripheral neuropathy, so that's where, you know, like ADL treatment may, may come in. Uh, there could be, so we, we discussed physical, cognitive, there's psychosocial implications because a cancer diagnosis can be really, because it's life-threatening, it can be really, really stressful. So I'm going to give you an example of a, of a patient that I just treated. And uh, she was, or I should say is, uh, an Orthodox Jewish woman in her 40s, and she had a mastectomy, and, uh, which is removal of the breast tissue. She had lymph nodes removed, but... Um, she didn't have any. She didn't have any lymphedema. It was her. Uh, she also had. She was right dominant, but it was her um, her left side that she had the surgery on, mm-hmm. and she had she had a, a breast had implant. A, so the implant. What the implant, the implant is, is, it creates the breast. Okay. And, uh, and then they fill it with this acellular matrix, which is material from other, other uh, places that is sterile, and that's to build, to sort of build up the area so it's more uh, just how a regular breast is. Anyway... Uh, going back to going back to the to the patient, she had called me because she was interested in Pilates, okay. and she was had was in pain. Mm-hmm. She was having trouble performing her ADLs. Mm-hmm. She was she had told me she she used to help her husband at work. She couldn't really do that. She had a lot of fatigue. She said that her arm swelled uh, when after walking, she would try and walk. 
her uh, external rotation and uh, abduction and flexion were limited, you know, upon the evaluation. But what was really troubling for her was she was having a hard time kind of coming for therapy and because she wasn't putting herself Mm-hmm. Ahead, she had so many things going on. So, uh, you know, she would cancel a lot, and uh, you know, she would, she would. There was just a lot going on for her. So, the things that I did for her when she was able to come was I did teach her deep breathing. We did okay. that. We also worked on transitions from standing to supine and from supine to sideline, all those, because all those can be, uh, can be really difficult after an implant. She couldn't, when you have an implant, you can't lay on your stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, sleeping can be really treacherous, you know, especially, you know, if you like to go in, in different positions, move in different positions, but the thing was she was the last person on her list of of people to take care of. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I worked with her on kind of making herself more, uh, giving giving herself the um, permission to take the time to do her exercises because she wasn't doing her exercises. You know, I'd give her a home exercise program. She wasn't doing it. And, you know, so I had to, you know, speak with her about, you know, what can she change during her day so that she's able to take care of herself better. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what, ha- what happened was that she left me because she had to get her permanent implant. She had... She had a, um, what happens is with the implants, they, they get filled, they get regular fillings, and then uh, an, a permanent implant is put in. Because what the, what the um, expander, mm-hmm. which is filled, does is it kind of blows up like, it's kind of like a splint, mm-hmm. so it stretches the skin. Interesting. And um, she... She got that, then, of course, you know, it was like a couple of steps forward, then it was like two steps back again after the implant, and um, she came back to me, and then she said that she was sleeping better, she could hook her bra in the back, so her external rotation had um, improved, she was back to baking, she was taking care of her parents, and preparing food, and then what happened was her parents had a lot of issues, and she had to go back to taking care of her parents, mm-hmm. and so she couldn't come back. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was very, very, and that's the whole thing when you work with breast cancer survivors, because there's just a lot of back and forth, you know, that going for treatment, uh, Treatment complications, as you know, as as you saw, and then she ended up with something called axillary web syndrome. Later on, she told me after all that, and 
you know, it's just so much stress. You know, yeah. there was just so much stress. And one day she just started crying with me, you know, about what was going on. And, you know, uh, you have to be able to, you know, address those. You know, sometimes when you're working with, phys- with people physically right. and they trust you, they're going to react emotionally because you're a safe space for them to react right. and share. So, you, you know, you have to expect the unexpected with right. that. But it was interesting because she did, was doing that during Pilates. Really? Wow. And then I had to bring her back to her breathing, to calm herself down, yes, yeah. yes. So it's complicated. It sounds, sounds, you know, sounds like it, it really is a good thing, but just with that population, it could be a little you know, bit complicated with scheduling and consistency with scheduling. Yes, yes, so. it is. It is, yeah. but you know what's great about it? You can use all your skills. Right, such a important, I mean, you're really working on function and occupation and roles. I mean, like, you know, if that's not what OT is, and I'm not really sure what OT would be without all that stuff. Um, so, wow, that's, that's a really interesting um, case, Naomi. Um, what do you love best about this area? Like, what, what, what's your favorite thing about the area that you work in right now, the Pilates area? I, ju- I like how I can use a holistic method that makes sense to me because, you know, I only spoke about one Pilates principle, the breathing, but the other Pilates principles are concentration. Uh So, you know, you can't be thinking about anything else while you're doing it. So there's a focus upon yourself. And so how often do we get a chance to really focus on ourselves and go into ourselves? And that's what... But, you know, really good body awareness something, you know, like, is my scapula up? You know, am I breathing? Am I using, am I using my uh, center? And that's the other principle, using the center or the core. Uh, am I relaxed? Is my body relaxed? Do I have tension in my feet? Do I have tension in my hands? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another principle. And then this whole body movement, that's the other principle Pilates and um, no, I've actually used Pilates principles like for hand patients. I had a hand patient that she broke her wrist. She had a right wrist fracture and after you have a wrist fracture or any type of injury there's always that lack of proprioception and kinesthesia mm-hmm. and the same thing happens with breast cancer. Right, you know, the, the same, like you lose that awareness, how, how does that work? You know, right. what risk flexion and extension? What is supination? You know, how does it, what does it feel like? So I use the left hand. Okay, let's close our eyes. Let's feel what it feels like to use the left wrist, you know, like her on what I wanted her to do so she would feel it. Then I had her do it on the right wrist so that she understood in her body and in her mind what I wanted her to do. And plus I used the breathing to kind of relax her first. I always use breathing with people first because, you know, when everybody comes in, everybody's stressed out and, 
you know, may take like a few minutes, but sometimes you have to like, you know, sort of make a detour before right. you can get on the road. Right, right, right. No, that sounds... Right. Naomi, I mean, like, I think you have so much knowledge and um, so much good information and just, like, how you put the pieces together really is amazing. You know, how you put, you know, all their, you know, needs, their roles, their body, their mental health, all of that together with the OT and the Pilates. I mean, it sounds like a really good strategy and tool to use, um, you know, as, as an OT. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's why I said the Pilates principles go really, really well with OT. I just feel that it does. Right. Um, You have, I mean, what are the challenges in Pilates? Do you find anything that's, you know, really challenging when, you know, working in that area that, you you know, you hadn't had in other areas of practice that you've worked in? Uh, You know, Pilates uses a lot of, Nonverbal. Well, they use verbal cueing and they use tactile cueing, but um, you know, finding the cue that will get per- somebody to understand what you're asking them to do. Like they'll have, you know, like I gave, I just said to you, you know, about that the road, you know, getting on the road. Like we took a detour. That's like a, you know, like a, like a visual imagery type of tool. So you finding those visual cues that will help people to understand what you're asking them to do uh-huh. and, you know, in, in, in teaching. But as, as occupational therapists, we're teachers. So yeah. using those, you know, finding those visual, those, those cues are a good way to help people learn. And, you know, like... Um, I like using that type of thing actually when I teach at the college level as well so people can relate to it. Like I always use the term like at the beginning of the school term like because the class that I teach lasts eight weeks so it's like I always give them the analogy like you're on the marathon. You have to start from day one. This is like your first lap, day one, that you can make it to the finish line. Because uh-huh. if you don't start on day one, you get already behind the curve uh-huh. before, you know, before everything gets even more intense. Wow. So, yeah, I find that, I find that challenging. Uh-huh. I, as, as well as trying to get people to, you know, understand, like, you know, what muscles to work. Like, one thing I always find that people don't understand mm-hmm. is scapular protraction and retraction. Uh-huh. People always use their biceps. Uh-huh. They don't understand that you have to use your middle traps. So that's something that, you know, I like to use, like, you know, tactile feedback so people understand yeah. that. Uh-huh. Interesting. Wow. I mean, it definitely takes a lot of concentration. You know, form is definitely so important but really difficult when you think about it. I mean, for some people, I guess it's more natural than others, but for some people, really, they really struggle, especially those with you know, physical limitations or pain or cognitive disabilities. So, you know, it seems like it's really, a, you know, all-encompassing. You know, thinking about concentration and focus is really good for mental health and also the posture is really good for physical health and the core strengthening is good for physical health. So it seems like a really good um, treatment strategy and tool. I think OT should really use this more often in practice. And, um, you know, I think you're you're really, you know, amazing to go into that area, which is, you know, I don't know if I would consider it.
niche? I mean, what would you consider it? Um, well, I always take the, I, I don't know. I always take the road less traveled, but I always, I always believe if you are into something and interested that that enthusiasm will translate to other people. And when you're enthusiastic about something, that carries over. And I'm not saying Pilates is for everybody because it's not. Some people just can't, they don't want to focus. They don't want to do that. You know, they just, you know, but I don't, you know, when you're, people are doing exercise, like there's so many times I see, you know, people in the gym doing mindless exercise and, you know, like are they helping themselves? Are they getting stronger? Are they achieving their goals? You know, so if you do make a a concentrated effort, you know, it will help you. But, you know, Pilates is is not for everybody. Just like, you know, um, well, I mean, music. I mean, that was a bad example, but um, maybe, uh, like, PNS might not be for somebody, right. you know? Right. Like, like there's, you know, you ha- it's good to have different tools uh, in your two chest. And I just, I just want to add that uh, one thing that, that I did do that's kind of off the beaten path, too, is that I wrote a book with another OT who was a breast, breast cancer survivor. A book's called Pilates for Breast Cancer Survivors. And it actually has, like, goals for each exercise, like being able to take off your hat, being able to take off your sweater, being able to reach onto a high shelf, being able to move from uh, supine to sideline, because that's an issue uh, for for women or men after breast cancer is getting up from your bed. You know, how do you do that? Right, interesting. Well, Amy, where where can they find that book? It's on Amazon. Uh, Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, there's, like, you know, just ADL hints, there's cognitive hints, there's, like, a lot. It's, like, a very OT-oriented book, definitely. Sounds like a great, great thing to have. Um, what about if someone, if an, if an OT wanted to, you know, go down this path and work with Pilates in their practice, what would you advise them to do? Like, what steps should they take? Well, first, I would tell them to take a class okay. and see if they like it. Do they connect with it? You know, does it make sense to them? Like, to me, it makes so much sense. Like, just, you know having to activate my scapulas um, and prepare for the movement, like I inhale to prepare for the movement, so then I I really put my scapulas in the right place and then exhale as I lift up. Because what most people do is they cheat. They don't really connect to their core, and, you know, so they don't do it properly. They use their back. So I would say take it. Do you like it? And then if you do like it and you think that it would be good, I would say to take courses in it, you know, to take like an online course, you know, maybe an OT course or else, um, you know, if they want to take it even further, then to look into Pilates training because there's, there's a lot involved with that Pilates training. It's mm-hmm. very intensive. It's... It can be expensive. There's a lot of practice involved with it. But that's how we learn. We learn through repetition. We learn through teaching others. That's what I always tell my, my students, that 
take my, my OTA course, that if you teach others, that is a great way to learn. Right, right. Interesting. Okay, I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like a great area. I would hope that, you know, some OTs would want to pursue that and take that route to help their patients, you know, adults or children. There are. There are. There's, there are. It's becoming more and more popular. You know, like more holistic methods are becoming more and more popular. I guess, you know, there is definitely patient progress you know, and, you know, patients see it, clinicians see it, and that's really what we want for our patients is progress. So whatever it takes, you know, um, that's really, you know, what we, what we should be doing, what we should be, you know, immer- immersing ourselves in. What about research in terms of Pilates and OT? there any research, a lot? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, I'm going to do the breast cancer stuff first. Actually, there's, uh, apply to breast cancer, a systematic review and meta-analysis. And uh, a lot of this research, you know, when you start doing research, you see how other countries are on the forefront of things that you never would think of. So this, this um, review and meta-analysis was done, I believe, in Brazil. Oh. And there's also... Um, there's one to compare the effects of Pilates exercises and conventional therapy and upper extremity function and quality of life in women with breast cancer. Yeah. And that actually was done at an OT program in India. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. And then uh, there's, there's some more. There's effects of clinical Pilates exercises on patients developing lymphedema, uh, effectiveness of Pilates-based exercises and upper extremity disorders related with breast cancer treatment. So when I started doing this, there was only one, actually, when I started doing this, there weren't any studies, but a lot of Pilates teachers were doing this, you know, without the research. Mm -hmm. And the first one was called Pilates for Breast Cancer Survivors, Impact on Physical Parameters and Quality of Life, and that was um, done by... PTs and, and a nurse, and that was done here. Uh-huh. And so, so there's been I, there's been momentum, right. there's been there's been interest, and you know, I mean, originally even with cancer survivors, they were, like they were told not to even exercise originally. So when I first started doing this, like in the 1990s, people thought that exercise would exacerbate lymphedema, and then and that's been disproven. Wow. So, you know, we've come a long way. Right, right. Interesting. I, you know, I would think that it's like a newer area, so there wouldn't be, but it sounds like there is a lot of research in it. I wouldn't, I, I don't know, I would say there's, uh, that research is emerging, there's interest in it. Uh, I would say there's a lot of research and exercise for cancer survivors. I mean, that's like really you know, right. gone, like, really, like, like a lot. There's some research on kids stuff. Right. Uh, I don't have that, I don't have that um, in my hands, but uh, there is some on kids. And, see, for kids, would you believe that neck pain is really common? So with a lot of the kids that I work with, I would do teach them planks because, they have no neck strength. Their neck, as I mentioned earlier, their neck, they're holding up their necks. Right. 
Uh, I would do this exercise called the swan so that, uh, you know, they would build up their upper back strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's a little, a little bit different. I did do, you know, some traditional Pilates exercises. But, yeah, the, the, you know, it's so sad to see that kids, mm-hmm. you know, when they're younger, are having so many physical problems. How come they're tapping? Is it because of their posture when they're writing? Is it the posture in their desk, how they're sitting? There's a lot of factors, but one thing I could tell, well, a few things that I could tell you is that they're, you, I mean, we all know this stuff, like they're, you know, they're not laying on their bellies. Yeah, for sure. Tummy time. And, uh, tummy time, exactly. They're not doing that. They're not playing outside. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not playing with crafts, you know, Play-Doh and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, parents hate it when you tell them Play-Doh because they don't <laughs> like it because it gets all over the place. Right. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. But it's such an important thing. I mean, I saw kids that didn't know how to use scissors. Right, right. Uh, I, would, I would have to say weak cores. Uh-huh. I would have to say book baths, having to use book baths because that mm-hmm. puts them into a kyphotic posture. Not enough gym. I mean, I could name so many things that cause that. Right, right, right. Interesting. You wouldn't think that, you know, children would have that pain, but but they do, unfortunately. Yeah, and they would complain about pain after writing, too, because they have to write for so long. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely if they're weak as it is or if they're, you know, having poor posture and they're writing like that, that's definitely going to cause some issues. Yeah, plus the, the quantity, the quantity of writing is a lot. Uh-huh. Wow. And, the, and the pace probably, what's expected in school is probably very quick writing, not thinking about form, not thinking about the posture. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just like they don't, and teachers really aren't taught how to teach writing. Did you know that? They, they're not taught how to teach handwriting. Yeah. So they really don't understand how important the posture is, how important the developmental uh, readiness is, all those things. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay, I didn't even know that. I thought teachers for sure learned how to, you know. No, they're not taught how to teach handwriting. It's really sad but true, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so it seems like, you know, this is a really interesting, amazing tool that OTs can use. And I mean, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, how would someone, you know, reach you to contact you if they wanted your services? Is there, like, an email address that you like to give? Um, how would someone best reach you? They can reach me at otrcht17 at gmail. Okay, great. So um, I'm sure, you know, people will reach out to you and... You know, I hope they enjoyed this podcast. I hope that they got some great information. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I think you really covered a lot, you know. Yes, I did. <laughs> you really covered a lot. You did a great job. And I myself, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm really interested in looking into this area of practice because it seems, you know, so helpful for all ages, stages of life, and so occupation, function, more of that in our profession. Definitely. Plus, you can provide vestibular stimulation, proprioceptive, all that stuff is there. Okay, yeah. 
Interesting, right. That's amazing. Also, good for self-confidence, self-esteem. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to delving into, you know, research and information regarding this. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Robin. I really appreciate the podcast and educating students and practitioners about different things, and so I, I welcome, I really welcome this opportunity to speak with you. Thanks for the, for the questions and your time. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much, Naomi. Be well. You too. Have a good night. Good night.